Psalm 24, verse 1 to 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. You hear that? The earth is the Lord's, everything in it. And this morning, as we kind of come to a close of our 10-week series called Think Like Jesus, which is a part of our big campaign for the year to be, of Believe, we're, we're going to be talking about, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? Um, the other day, uh, I was having lunch with Bella, my nine-year-old, and she asked me, Dad, if you had $1,000 what would you do? And I said, um, I'd probably use it for a trip to California next week. And she goes, and what else? And I said, I'd actually need some more money. Um, so <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> and, she, and, and it was funny because she was a little surprised by that. Because at her age, $1,000 is almost an immeasurable amount of money. She could get everything she would ever want for $1,000. And, and, I, and, I, and I thought about how life is so much simpler, isn't it? When we, when, we, when we didn't have money, it really is. It's, 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 it really is a lot simpler in many ways. I remember when Tanya and I first got married, we could fit every single thing we owned in the world in two small cars. Everything was in two small cars. And most of that wasn't even ours until we just got married and then someone gave it to us, right? I mean, other than my stereo I can't, and some clothes, I can't think of what I owned. You know? and, and that's what we owned when we got married. And, and then a year later, when we had to move again, we had to add her parents' minivan to help us. You know, that, that, that we had accumulated so much. And um, I think, man, looking back to that, how things have changed. Um, but you know, it's not, just, it's not just money that complicates life. You, can you remember being bored? Can you, you know, as an adult, can you remember the last time you were bored? I, I can't remember that. And yet my kids come in all the time. I'm bored. Why? How, how? And, and they, they know in, in not to do that very well because often because usually the answer is you can go in your room and play, you can go outside and play, or we have lots for you to do to keep you from being bored. Um, so they, they, they learn not to do that. And then I even look at Hannah, who's 16, and she's not ever, I don't ever see her say she's bored, but so often what she's doing and filling her time with, although it keeps her busy and it's productive things, you know, she's very involved in the, the youth group and she, she uh, go, gets good grades and she works. A lot of it in between there is, is just fun and goofing off with her friends. And that's great. But Why? Why, why are kids able to have that extra time? Why, why do they not worry about money so much? It's because they trust someone else for it. They trust someone else. You know, when Jesus said in Matthew 19, 14, he said that when we come to him, we need to come to him as little children. And so when Bella asked me that question this week um, about the $1,000, and I was thinking about this message, I, I was thinking about that, that concept that we need to come to Jesus as little children means we need to trust him with our things, with, with everything in our life. The reason Bella doesn't have a great understanding of, of finances and what it takes to survive and live and, and, and support in, in this world is because she trusts us for all of it. She trusts us to provide all of her food, all of her shelter, all of her clothing, all of her entertainment, all, all the things that she feels like she might want or need in this world. 
the, the reason they get bored sometimes is because they trust that we're going to make their meals, pick, pick up and do things and, and provide them with things and take them to the places they need to go and, and do a lot of those things for them. And our job as parents, obviously, is to train them to take those responsibilities as they go. But they trust somebody for those things. As we talk about stewardship today, in many ways, all we're talking about is trust. All we're talking about is a matter of trust. You see, stewardship is having the right belief and a strong trust in God. So what is our key belief today as we go through this series? The key belief is we believe that everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. Everything we are and everything we have belongs to God. So if we truly believe that, then the question is, do we really trust God with those things? Do we trust God with everything we are and everything we have? Because if we do trust Him, we will be good stewards. If we don't trust Him, we will hold on to those things no matter how hard we try to believe. You know, a steward is, the word stewardship is kind of outdated in our society. We don't use that word very often. But a steward literally is a manager. A steward is a manager. And Jesus tells a story of a bad manager in Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 12, verse 42 through 48 this morning. And let's look at this story that Jesus tells to illustrate this concept of a manager. Luke chapter 12, verse 42 through 48, says this. It said, The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. So he's saying, look, if you had a master that put a a servant in in charge of some things and they did well with it, he would make him a manager over, over more. He would become the manager over everything. He says, but suppose, verse 45, but suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. So he basically says, suppose that manager says, you know what? Nobody's watching me, right? No one's watching. The master's not around. I have all this time to do what I want. So he basically begins to abuse the resources that the owner leaves him with, right? He's hoarding all the food and drink for himself, and and he's treating his, his people badly. Verse 46, he says, the master of that servant will come to a day when he does not expect I'm sorry, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. So he's saying the master is going to return at some point. And because the servant abused his resources, because the manager did not handle the resources well, there's going to be a punishment. Verse 47, that servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready, or does not do what his master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does, the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. So he's saying, you we're accountable with what we know. 
And then he closes by saying, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. And you've heard me say this before. If you're here today, you're one who's been entrusted with much. The reality is if we live where we live, and we drove a car here today, you had a, any kind of shelter over your head last night, we are the people, we are the managers who have been with, trusted with much. We are responsible for God's people throughout, and we have been entrusted with much. Now, it's interesting when you look at the context of that passage, if you have your Bibles open, just go ahead and look ahead um, or, or back at the beginning of that chapter. It starts with the story of the rich fool. And the rich fool is a man who does very well for himself, has, has much to, to, to his uh, disposal. He's very well taken care of. And he has a banner year and, and is just extremely successful with his crop. So rather than saying, hey, you know what? I already am very well taken care of. I have many blessings. And blessing others with that, he decides to hoard it all for himself. And he... And he faces severe punishment and comes to ruin as a result of it. And then Jesus goes from that story and he says, look, you don't need to worry about that. You don't need to worry about hoarding your stuff and keeping and trying to always make more for you and building your kingdom because I'm going to take care of you. And he says, look at the flowers of the fields and the birds of the air. They, they, they don't sow, they, they don't keep all these things and yet God still blesses them. And how much more important to God are you than birds and flowers? And then he leads from that to say, look, you are not, it's not your stuff anyway. You're managers of God's resources. Are you using God's resources in a way that is in line with what he wants? Or are you using it all for yourself? See, sometimes when we think of stewards, we only think of tithing or giving. And we're going to talk about that. That's a piece of being a steward. But it's really so much more than that. It's really a matter of heart and attitude and belief. So let's, let's jump in. One, how much of my life is his? If we're his managers, how much of my life is his? All of it. All of it. Everything. Every single thing. That hobby that you love, that's his. The, your family, that's his. The neighbor you hate, that's his right? Oh, it's all his. All of it is his. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we, are we utilizing it in the way that he wants us to utilize it, or are we doing it the way we want to do it? Are you handling that relationship with that neighbor the way you want it handled, or are you handling that relationship with the neighbor the way your master wants it handled? Are you handling that relationship with, are you handling the relationship with your wife the way you want it handled, or are you handling it the way your master wants it handled? Are you handling your career? Are you handling your hobbies? Are we handling all of it the way he wants it? Or are we doing it the way we want it? See, when, I, when we give our life to Christ, it's no longer ours. It's no longer ours. There's, a very, specific, there's very clear reasons why we, in, this, in, in Mountain View Fellowship, we don't choose to say, when someone gives their life to Christ, we don't choose to say, do you accept Jesus as, as your Savior and Lord? Because a lot of people, one, don't have a really understanding of what that means for someone to be a Lord. And we like to focus just on the Savior part. No, instead we say, do you give your life to Christ? Because see, it's very clear that at that point, that I'm, I'm giving it to him. It's his to do with. 
what he chooses. When we give our life to Christ, it's no longer ours. It's his life, and we are just the stewards of it. This life I live, I'm just the manager. I'm just the manager. Randy Frazee, who uh, put together this uh, Believe book, um, he gives an illustration about it because, you know, the whole idea of stewards and, and masters and servants, that's a little outdated for us. We, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around. And he gives an illustration I feel like is very applicable to modern-day society. He compares it to a corporate buyout. Now, some of you have been a part of corporate buyouts, and they can be very dysfunctional and painful and selfish and done very badly. But if it's done properly... A corporate buyout, in many ways, represents us giving our life to Christ. Because you have someone who's built a business, they've done pretty good with it, and yet maybe not taken it as far as it could go. And a corporation comes in and says, hey, we like what you do. We'd like to put that under our umbrella. And then the, the owner has to decide, do I want to remain the owner and do it my way, or would I like to become a manager? And if, the, and if everyone's looking out for the best interest of the whole group, then oftentimes that can work out great. And the manager, the, the, the corporation says, look, we'll pay off all of your debt. You no longer have the debt. You don't have to worry about where, where, it, where things are going for the future. You just continue managing. You continue doing what you want to do. We'll pay you a healthy salary. We'll take care of you. Your staff can continue to operate the way you, they want to operate, and, and we get to kind of bring you in under our name. Right? That's kind of the way that would work if it's all done right and well. In a sense, that's what we're doing with Jesus. He's saying, look, if you give me your life, I'll take care of all this. You don't have to worry about all this. And I'll take care of you. You're going to be taken care of. And you can manage the life. You can, you can do, but you're going to do so within my principles, within who I want you to be, where I want you, where I want you to take it. But are, are you going to choose to do that or not? And we, ha we have to choose whether or not we're going to give it to him or we're going to try and do it ourselves. And you know what? In a corporate bio, as long as that manager does a good job and they and they are they in submission to the corporation, they can have a long career with that and it can work out really well. But when they start deciding, you know what, I'm not going to do it your way, I'm going to do it my way, and, and I, I, I want to fight that, and which a lot of times that happens, right? Because I built this thing, I know how it's, you know, instead of listening and submitting, then that can cause problems. Same, and that's what we do in our life a lot of times. We say, okay, yeah, I want to do that, Jesus, I want to be under you, but Jesus, you just don't know what you're doing in this area, I know much better about this. You're not, you don't see what can happen if I don't make this choice, if I, if I don't uh, give up my integrity, if I, if I don't work selfishly to, to gain something for myself. And we don't trust them in it, and it causes problems. So, if our whole life belongs to him, what does that mean? I want to use three things that we've, we've used before uh, in, some, in some ways, but I just believe they, they very well identify what our life kind of breaks down to. The first is our time. Our time belongs to him. Our time belongs to Jesus. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, if you've been around church much, you've probably heard that verse before. And it's kind of easy to just kind of read through it and kind of go, yeah, that means I, I kind of live for God. But, you know, the original readers of that would have understood that in a much deeper level. 
See, they lived at a time where there was sacrifice. People, there, there were sacrifices on altars. And it, it was, a life was taken from the, on that altar. And see, what they understood is that meant I no longer was on the throne of my life. Rather, I offered myself on an altar to be constantly sacrificed to the God who is on the throne of my life. And I live there on that altar. I spend my life on that altar as, a, as an attitude and a heart of constant sacrifice. And that's, that's what that verse is saying, that we are, we are, our lives 24-7 are in a place of sacrifice. But what does that mean? What does that mean on a day-to-day level? One, it means I give God my best. I give God my very best. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I'm, I'm going to embarrass someone real quick, but, but I was just talking to Asa, who just got back from, uh, where, where were we at? Romania, working, um, and he, he goes and he works with the gypsies there and, bring, and, and tries to share Christ. And, um, but he comes and goes, and, and he's got to find work every time he comes back here. He's got to find work, and he, he sends himself. I mean, it's, it's an awesome thing, and you get to know him. He's an awesome guy. So, but he, he, he has to come and find work every time I get here. And so I knew he just got back, so I said, hey, are you looking for any extra work? And he's like, I actually have three jobs lined up right now that I'm, I'm trying to. And, and, I, and we were talking about that, and I said, well, that shows you're an awesome worker. And, he's like, and, and he didn't try to say, yeah, I am. You know, but he, he, he was just like, well, yeah, you know, I, I got to work hard. And, and you spend 10 minutes with Asa, you can tell he's a hard worker. And, and it's an interesting thing because it shows, you know, when, when you're willing to work hard, people, people want to hire you. When you are willing to really put in and work hard, people want to hire you. And there's a character aspect of that. And as Christ followers, when we, when we go to work, we should be the hardest workers, we should be the people that are there to, to serve our boss because he's not our real boss. Jesus is our boss, right? And we're really serving him. And that should reflect. We should be giving God our very best in everything that we do. Everything that we do. Secondly, and I, I, I'm sorry, I missed the bullet points in this. When I was making the notes for Tricia, I somehow completely... Did not put these in. So, um, but you can add this. Second, I need to spend my time getting to know my master. I need to spend my time getting to know my master. See, we have a master that wants to know us. He all throughout his word talks about how he wants to have a relationship with us, right? Can you imagine, just put yourself in that mindset of a master servant. Can you imagine the master saying to the servant, oh, can we spend some time together? I really want to spend time with you. And the servant is refusing him, saying, hey, sorry, I don't have time for you. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, really, when you think about it. It wouldn't happen. See, we have a master who wants to spend time with us. So being a good steward of our time is desiring and do what, figuring out a way to work our time where we can spend some time with our master. That's what he wants from us. That's, that's part of how he wants us to budget the resource of our time. Third, I need to spend time caring about what he cares about. I need to spend time caring about what he cares about. So we need to spend time with him, and we need to care about what he cares about. 
Are you putting any time into the things that Jesus cares about? One, that means caring about the body of Christ. Caring about the body of Christ. Jesus, remember we talked, if you are here on the week, we talked about church. If you weren't, you can go back on the website and listen online. Um, but, but Christ loves the church. And Christ protects the church. He cares deeply about the church. Are, are you, you care in your time. Does your time show that you care about his body? But secondly, we need to show compassion. We need to spend our time showing compassion. We talked about that just last week when we talked about compassion. Do you you look for opportunities to show compassion in this world, in this life? And sometimes it can be very quick things. Sometimes it literally can can be just taking the time to pray with someone for 30 seconds or, or to just take that time out to listen to someone for a few minutes. It doesn't have to always be a big, huge thing. Sometimes God puts things in your life that he just wants you to, to take a little minute and pause and show compassion. So my time belongs to him. Secondly, my talent belongs to him. My talent belongs to him. 1 Peter 4.10 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one should use whatever gift you've received. What does that mean? That means we use our talent to serve the body of Christ. Look at what Romans 12, 4-6 says, For as in one body we have many members, And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So he says we're one body and we are called to use our gifts within the body. We're called to use our gifts to serve the body. And so we talked a lot about that when we talked about on the week on church. When we are not serving within the body, we're handicapping the body. We're, we're personally handicapping the body of Christ. We each need to find a way to serve within the body. And I'll tell you, a lot of those ways are not ways that you think about because it's not ways you see. You know, and that's why we want you to go to Next Steps because Next Steps will help you find, you might have a gift and a talent that is not something that anyone sees, but it's something that gets used to bless the body. You notice we have two screens up here now this week, which helps because wherever you're at, you can see better. And originally when this screen was put up and that screen was put up and this put up, Jason Nielsen, I know he doesn't want me to do this, but Jason Nielsen came and gave his time to, to bless the body with his talents. He has a talent that he knows how this stuff works. He knows what the best way to do things are because that's what he does for a living and he knows the ins and outs of it. He's an expert in it. And so he blesses the church by, by serving in a way that he knows. And it's not something that a lot of people see or know. But when he knows that there's a need and that, he, he tries to find a way to use his talent to do that. I, this, just this week, if uh, Jeannie, uh, I always say Jeannie's last name wrong. Zeal, Zile, Zile, okay. Jeannie Zile, we had a special, we had a special uh, staff meeting. And so 
we asked Jeannie, hey, Jeannie, would you mind just preparing lunch for the staff? You know, and I'm, I'm thinking we're going to come in, there's going to be like half-cut sandwiches and chips, right? I mean, and Jeannie makes this just beautiful spread of just this awesome chicken and pear salad and, and, and potatoes and vegetables and, and dessert. And, and it, was, it was great. It was like the best lunch I had in weeks. And, and, um, and then um, on top of that, it was really funny because she didn't just stop there. She has gifts of hospitality as well. And, and not only does she cook well, but she has these just awesome gifts of hospitality. So, so we normally, like if we do have something where we get lunch together, we just use the plastic stuff in the kitchen, right? And so she had tablecloths, a little centerpiece. And so we all sit down and Trisha eats her whole meal with, she gets her plastic forks out like we normally would. She eats a whole meal with plastic forks. And then she looks and she goes, Oh, I just realized she actually literally has silverware right here in front of me. And so, so, but she just blessed with the gifts and the talents that she has. See, and that's, and that's just small things, but we all have different talents. And they're not talents that oftentimes people see or you don't think about because you think, well, I don't want to play music or, or you don't want me to play music, for me in my case. Um, the, the, or I, you know, I, I really, uh, kids are not my thing and don't ask me to teach something. But that's okay. There's so many places that we all have talents that we can give to God, that we can be good stewards of things that, you, that he's given you, that you do better than anyone else around you. We also use our talents to show compassion to the world. To show compassion to the world. See, like we said last week, our compassion will look different depending on who we are. Our compassion will look different depending on who we are. Maybe your compassion, you do like to cook, and maybe your compassion is you know a neighbor who's just gone through a horrible thing, and you can bring them a meal. And, and you, you just bless them with a meal and a little note. Maybe your compassion is, you're, you're, maybe your gift is you're just an encouraging person. People have told you, man, you just, you're such an encouraging person. Your thing can be to send texts or cards or whatever to, to people just encouraging them, letting them know. Every once in a while, I will, I will send someone a text. I don't even, it's not even a big deal to me. I just, you know, I'll send like a 30, I'll take 30 seconds and just write a little text saying, hey, and encouraging someone. And it's amazing to me how many people like a week or 10 days later, will, when they see me, will say, man, that really meant a lot. Thanks so much. And it's such a little thing, but it, but it, but it helps. See, whatever it is, maybe you're mechanical and you can, you can work on a single mom's car who just really needs someone to help, help out like that or, or work around the house or, or watch someone's kids who can't afford daycare every now and then. What, how, how can you show compassion? It, it's going to look different than everyone else's. And we don't judge each other by that. We don't judge each other. Well, so-and-so doesn't do that and I do it. We, we, we let them serve how they serve and, and bless people how they bless people. Don't, and also, don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to be someone that is different than you. You know, I, I am not mechanical. And I, I learned in my 20s, I tried to be, man. I, I tried to work on cars and, and I'd buy the Shilton's books and, I'd, when I, and, and after two days of just being frustrated and, and, and probably causing more damage to the car, I would finally call like a friend who knew something and they would graciously come in and go, yeah, that's, you did okay, Shane. Let me just, you know, and, and then they'd fix it for me because I'm just horrible at it. And, and I used to say, well, I can be that way. I'm going to work to be that. And ugh, I just gave up. I do not try to do that anymore because 
Um, it's, it's bad news. Um, don't try to be something that you're not. Third, my, my time belongs to him. My talent belongs to him. My treasure belongs to him. My treasure. Luke 12, 34 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Obviously, this is referring to material wealth, but it's referring to much more than that. It's referring to much more than just material wealth. You know what my greatest treasure is? My greatest treasure is my family. That's my greatest treasure. And I'll be honest, if a stumbling block, God could take all my money, I'd be okay. But, but taking someone in my family would be a really devastating thing to me. And, and that's where I, we watched, uh, it, by the way, I highly recommend the movie, Do You Believe? We watched it last night. Kyle Moody put on, hosted it and put it on, used his talents of just be, getting word out there to people in the community. And we probably had 10, 12 people from the community come on top of people from the body. And it was awesome, but great movie. Watch it. And, and, but one of the things in there is dealing with, where do you, do you, do you really believe? Do you really trust God when he, when he takes one of your children? That's, that's, a, that's a faith point for people that, that can't trust. <clears throat> and and not, that, not that I even believe that God necessarily takes our children, that, but rather, and it gets explained in that, that, well, God didn't make the person drive drunk. God tried to get the person to stop driving drunk that, that caused it. But, but the point is, do, you, do we trust him with our treasure? What, what is your treasure? And, and have you really turned that over to him? Maybe, maybe it's your career or your hobbies or your entertainment. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you treasure? Well, what do we need to do with those treasures? We need to, one, be submissive to him. Be submissive to him in everything. See, if we're managers, the owner has a certain way he wants things done. And he wants you to submit to that and do those within that manner. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, my, I'm not talking about micromanaging. I'm talking about working within God's parameters. I have people oftentimes come to me and say, well, I'm trying to figure out God's will for this. I don't know if God has a specific will for who you're going to marry or, or who you're, where you're going to work. I, 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 don't, I don't know for sure about how all that works. What I do know, what I do know is he definitely has a way he wants you to operate in that marriage. He definitely has a way he wants you to operate at that job. He, he definitely has a will for you within those things. See, see God, I don't, I don't believe necessarily that God's really worried about micromanaging everything. If you've ever been a manager of a place, you know what it's like maybe to work under a micromanaging owner versus an owner who allows you to work within the philosophy and values of that place. And as long as you do a good job and continue to reach goals and that kind of thing, they, they just let you, they let you manage. They don't get involved in the, the little details. You know, in the church, it's like that. We have, the shepherds are a board. And the, I, I am in submission to those shepherds. But they don't micromanage how I run the staff and, and every little thing we do and how the, we, the operations go throughout the week. They trust me to do a good job with that. And, and they work with me in that. And they give some guidance at times. And, and, but the reality is they basically say, hey, look, Shane, we're, we're about giving all the love all. Is the church, is the church focusing that? Or we, we're about connecting people 
to the body of Christ and coaching people in relationship with Christ and challenging people to grow Christ's kingdom? Are you, is, is, the, is the church operating like that? There's certain values we have as a church. And as long as that's working and those are, things are happening, they, they, they allow that to happen. I do the same thing with the staff. As long as people are, are getting those things done that they're supposed to get done with the goals they're due, we, we let it happen. We're submissive to Christ, but we know that he, he, he's not trying to control every little detail about your life as much as he's wanting to make sure, is our heart reflecting his heart? Is our attitude and our mindset and our, our philosophies reflecting his? 1 Corinthians 4, 1-2 says, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Are we faithful managers with the resources our master has entrusted us with? Are you faithfully submitting those things to him? Are, you, are we giving to the work of the church? Are we, are we faithfully giving to the work of the church? Are we willing to open our homes? And not just willing, but we literally are going out and saying, hey, my home is open if, you, if we need it for, for something. Are we, are we willing to loan our cars out? I had a family in my first church. We, we uh, couldn't afford to rent vans or anything, so we always had to borrow vehicles anytime we did an event. And I had a family that I could always call every single time. Their van, they would figure out a way to let their van be used. And it was funny because they never shared it with me while I was there, but I'm still good friends with them. And a few years after I was there, they said, they were like, you know how much that money that cost us letting the youth group use Because <laughs> like one time we brought it back with... You know, I, it just, it caused damage having the youth use that van. But they didn't see, and they're like, but nobody, they, you know, they, they purposely didn't tell me why I was working there because they didn't want me to not call them. They wanted me to see it as a resource that was open for the church. As, is it, do you see it as God's? Here's, here's the thing that builds on that. You can't submit it to him until you trust him with it. You can't submit it to him until you trust him with it. Trust him with it. So that leads to our next thing. Be trusting with everything. Be trusting with everything. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. See, it doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart and keep the rest for yourself. It doesn't say in, in a few of your ways acknowledge him, but in the rest of it do however you please. No, it says in all. And then your path will be straight. It goes on, verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, for the, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with our wealth. And once again, we are wealthy. It's so easy to compare. If you might live in a lower income area here in, in Heber, and you, you compare yourself to the people that have so much more here in Heber. And they say, well, I'm not wealthy. He's talking to those people. We can't do that. You, you got, we have to look at the, the, the whole picture. In the whole picture, we're wealthy. Every one of us is wealthy. And, and we're, we're called to honor him in that. And he says we're called to give him our first fruits. And I really truly believe that, is, that comes down to trust. We cannot give God our first fruits until we truly trust him. When we, when we are trusting God, we give him our first fruits. And I know that because of my own life. 
I was not a first fruits giver for years and years. It, it took me, and I, I, would, I would try to say, okay, God, I'm going to give. So just make there be money left over at the end of the month, and I'll give that. Right? And maybe one month I'd be living legalistically and try to figure it out to the point where I could have, you know, I'd have like $20. Okay, I, got, I, I have that much left, and I give. Right? And then the next month I'm over $20. And then the next month I'm over $100. And, I, and there's never enough money. And, 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 and really, I was never trusting. I, to, to trust, I had to become a first fruits giver. And even that, I remember that like, for about a year and a half or two years, when, I, when we started giving out of our first fruits, there was like this period where I'd be like, well, normally, but we have vacation this month, so we'll make it up the next month, right? Or it's Christmas. You know, I got to, yeah. and, and obviously, the whole point of Christmas is we need a bunch of junk in our life. Right? So, so, so I obviously need to not give this month. I need more for my, me. Yeah, I mean, how, tw- how backwards is that, right? But I did that, and, and I walked through, the, and it, it took a while to get to a point where I said, no, that, that's, that's just the first thing. That just, it just comes out. That's just the first thing. I don't even deal with it to get to that point. Someone once told me, and I, I really believe it. I truly, I, I don't know if it's a spiritual truth per se, but I'll say, man, it's true in my life and it's true in every person's life that I've been able to have this conversation with. You can tell where someone's heart treasure is by looking through their calendar and their bank account. You want to know where your treasure lies? Look at your calendar and look at your bank account. And almost every, every all the way across the board from every one person I've experienced, you can find out where their treasure is. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who or what do you trust? And you might say, Shane, you, you don't understand. There's no way I could get to first fruit giving. Once, once again, first I'll say it's a, matter of, it's a matter of trust more than it is anything else. Because here's the cool thing. That serving two masters thing we just talked about, what you find, it's not that I, since I became a first fruits giver, it's not that I have more money. It's not like God's like, just like said, oh, here, you give more. Here's random checks in the mail for $1,000. That's not what happens. But what happens is my slavery to what the world has told me I need is gone. I no longer see that as a priority. My attitude about my funds changes. I no longer see these things as something I have to have that the world is constantly telling me I have to have. I no longer see it as, as something that I, 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 I'm just bound to. Rather, no, I'm bound to Christ, and then this stuff can follow. But secondly, I will say there are tools for that. You need to, you need to go to financial peace. You need to look at Dave Ramsey's stuff. You need, there's other places out there. You need, you, you need to read The Blessed Life, which we have out in the lobby. There's, there's things that you, you need to look at and really open yourself up to that. And I guarantee you, it leads to your freedom more than anything else. I want you to be blessed. And my life has changed dramatically since that. I don't, I don't have to worry about, I don't worry about stuff that I used to worry about. Third, be generous with everything. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I just think that applies in life, in every area, not just money. You have people, see people with a take attitude? They, sure, they might be able to abuse systems and take, but the reality is, is it comes back. 
they, they, they abuse relationships and, and they, they end up alone. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So where do we give? One, we give to the body. We give to the body. All throughout the Old Testament, we see God's people giving to the temple. And in the New Testament, we see God, God's people giving to the church, which is the temple, the body of Christ. I'm not going to read Ephesians 2 for time. You can look it up, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. We see, finally, we give out of compassion. We give out of compassion. In line with our topic last week of, of compassion, our, our stewardship of what we, our time, talents, and, and treasures, we should be looking for places that God has placed in front of us. Places that he places in front of you that he doesn't place in front of other people. You have relationships with people that you know what they need that no one else knows. You know what they need. The church doesn't know about it. You know what they need. They don't, maybe they're not a part of a church. Maybe there's someone at your work. Maybe there are people in your neighborhood. Maybe there are people in your family. And God sometimes puts us in those situations for us to give compassionately to people. I'll close with this. True stewardship only comes when we build our worldview on the foundation of who God is and that everything is His. When we seek to believe what God believes and when we have the heart for the rest of the world that he has. And when we understand that it's all his. And we are simply managers of his resources. One of the best ways to test where our heart is, is to look at our stewardship. Does our calendar and our bank account reflect the heart of God? Because when we have the right understanding of God as the owner, and think about this, when we truly understand that God is the owner and we are the managers, Think about how miserly it is for us to keep it to ourselves rather than give it back to him. Think about, think about that. How miserly of us, if we truly believe that he's the owner of all things, to say, no, God, I'm not going to give it back to you. I'm gonna, as, the, as your manager, I'm going to hold this all to myself. You get no blessing from what you've taken on. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, for tough words, because um, God, I know in my life, it's your tough words that stretch me and grow me. And every time I deal with stewardship, um, on a personal level, God, I, I honestly don't like it, because I have to really dig into myself and question myself. And it's so easy for me to get caught up 